before we get into our discussion, I want to preface it with the fact that Louisa helped me look into this one because she originally brought the Golden Donut and their gay assassin nuns to our attention. Lovely church. sense of cooperation we have lately. Church, church sanctioned warriors. Tomato, tomato. I just think that knowledge will help Sam feel a little more at ease with the information we found, and she won't be so quick to shut down our theories. Ron, it is endlessly amusing that you think having Louisa's help automatically adds validity to anything you found. <gasps> Out of the four of us, she's the one in legal trouble for her research. Uh, okay, hey, I think it's time we stop bringing that up. Plus, I'll have you know that the cease and desist got dropped. Thank you very much. Apparently, whatever remnants of a legal team that still exists in the university that shall not be named is in shambles. And they put a fake lawyer's name on the case. Or at least they stole the credentials of someone who was a lawyer in 1782. Unless they didn't steal the credentials. <laughs> how, how can a lawyer from 1782 still be practicing today? Don't you dare say vampire lawyer, Angie. Okay, I was going to say ghost lawyer, but you're right. Vampire makes way more sense way in this more case. Sense. Oh, Jesus Christ. I have to say, I walked right into that one. I should have seen that coming. Ron, please start talking before Angie goes any further. Uh, oh, all right. Yeah, sorry, I was just making a note to look into this lawyer for later. <sighs> oh, so here are the things we know for certain or the thing we know for certain. The Urca Delima was carrying a hidden treasure when it was run aground by pirates. Well, 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 we don't know that. We strongly suspect it with the evidence that we have. Hey, come on, we, we know it. We, we know it to be true because we also have the records of an all-out war that broke out on Nassau in the months after the wreck. All the major players at the time were involved, Bane, Flint, Hornigold, Bonnie, Rackham. What else causes that big of a conflict? Because it couldn't have been anything else. Pirates are famously known for their peacefulness. You think you're mocking me, but you're proving my point. They were peaceful while they were in Nassau. It was the rule. Maybe civil is a more accurate word, but when you make your living by stealing from all the major world powers on the high seas, you need a port to drop anchor in where you don't have to worry about a hangman's news. Nassau was that port for almost every meaningful pirate crew of the time. Any troublemaker would risk everyone else's safe haven. So what would make these people break this peace they relied on? A lot of money and a lot of power. Which all led to the rule of the Pirate Queen. Oh, okay. I really don't want to bite this bait, but you two keep talking about this Pirate Queen like she's this well-known figure. The other names... Those are common enough in historical record, but I have never heard of any pirate called a queen. I mean, wasn't the whole point of piracy to live without the inherent social hierarchy created by a monarchy? To be fair, there is debate about the existence of our pirate queen. We're not talking about Qingxi here. Really? I can't imagine why. What with all the abundance of records on her. Oh, but, but, but what we do know is that there was some level of organization in, in Nassau. Someone was in charge in allowing the pirates to sell their goods on the down low. 
there is some circumstantial evidence that Richard Guthrie, an American merchant, was essentially a fence for the pirates. He maintained order or some form of order by controlling the buying and selling of goods on markets the pirates did not have access to. He was actually the governor of New Province, and there's enough records of the Lord's proprietor suddenly coming into coin to believe that he bribed his way into the position. The Guthrie name also crops up enough in Nassau records to believe that he or a proxy of his lived there. And that proxy is probably his daughter. Also, someone believed to be linked with the pirate queen, but records for her drop off entirely at one point. Either she decided to get out of the trade or she died. You still haven't explained who the pirate queen was. I'm getting to her. Now... Richard Guthrie was eventually succeeded by Augustus Featherstone following his passing and Woods Rogers' campaign to stamp out piracy in the Caribbean. But in between their appointments, Nassau continued to function. Yeah, function more or less, given the conflict of the time. Fair, but the rumors are the Pirate Queen was the one who kept the colony together. And once Featherstone was in charge, some say she was the real brains behind him. But you don't know who she is. We know she was a badass. Okay, to be fair, names really are a hard thing to come by in documents from this time. So few people were actually literate, and even with the few who were actually making records, there were so many nicknames and self-given monikers and no standardized spelling. Any given individual could also have their own shorthand, which muddies the water even more. So at times you just have to guess about the person they're making reference to. Plus, there's uh, this symbol or, or sealer of some kind, which is an adaption of the Jolly Roger that Wrong thinks was the Pirate Queen symbol. I'm not too sure about that, but admittedly, it's cropped up more than once in our research. It has to be her symbol, right? Pirates were all about branding, so she must have had her own mark since she wasn't putting her real name on any documents. Some reports say the Pirate Queen was a former slave and others that she was a a disowned highborn, so it makes sense why she wouldn't have her name out there for everyone to know. The fact is, someone was pulling the strings. Someone. Her influence seemed to have started in 1715, around the same time as the Yorker crash, and really cemented a few years later, which is where the Golden Donut comes in. <sighs> okay, no, I'm not gonna even bother with the name anymore. You like it. You know you she like it. She does like it. It was one slip-up. But more importantly, Ron found records of someone matching the church warrior description on a ship near Nassau in 1718. The report comes from a log of a Royal Navy ship, so it's legit too, the Amphion, which was attacked by pirates while traveling from Barbados to Yorktown. And one of the supposed pirates had a glowing circle of gold on their back. You know what? I'm too tired to get worked up right now. That would be a first for you. <laughs> <sighs> Didn't say it was going to stay that way. Anyways, can one of you explain why this supposed church-ordained warrior was on a pirate ship and not, oh, say a ship of more legitimate standing? This is the 1700s, and all the superpowers of the time were using the Bible to justify the horrors of the triangular trade. If this person was really associated with the church, they would have their pick for potential travel options. Well, now who's the one assuming, huh? Just because the Golden Donut protected the church doesn't mean they would be working with any one country, no matter how intertwined said country may be with the church at the time. 
time. There are any number of reasons they would choose to be on a pirate ship. Could be they didn't want to be associated with any one country or king. Could be they wanted to be kept off official records. Or they could have been working with a country and been on a privateer ship. Privateers and pirates probably look very similar in the heat of battle. And I don't think anyone is rushing to ask if the people attacking this ship had a commission or not. That doesn't explain why they would be attacking another ship. Well, if you look at their previous MO, or I guess their more recent MO, they were probably there for a Christian relic that was on the Amphion. Exactly. The Pirate Queen's whole thing was gathering information on ship cargoes and routes and trading this info to pirate crews under her banner. It stands to reason the Golden Donut worked with her for the wealth of information she had. It makes so much sense. If the gay assassin nuns were protecting relics and trying to keep them out of private collections, then targeting them while they're en route on the ocean gives them the perfect staging ground. And... Being on a pirate ship gives them the perfect anonymity. We know there was markedly more diversity in pirate crews than any traditional corona legitimate vessel at the time. A bunch of warrior women aren't going to stand out among a pirate crew, you know, unless they have a glowing donut on their back. I bet the pirate queen provided the golden donut with information about the relics and in exchange, the Lady Assassins bolstered a pirate's crew and probably let them keep any treasure they weren't interested in. I, I just know in my gut there's more information out there about this. It, it's like I'm missing one obvious piece of evidence that's going to bring all of this together. 50 bucks says Ron comes back in a week and says it's aliens. What? Oh, Come what? on! Oh, so you can bring up aliens whenever you want, but the moment I float a theory about portals, you flip a table. <laughs> Do you aliens, listen to yourself when you say here. this you garbage? To, Are you serious? I no, 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 not this week, not again this month. I am tired of you two blowing up at each other. We are going to finish Ron's episode in peace, or so help me, I swear, les juro que las dos pueden sentarse en la esquina hasta que aprendan a portarse como adultas. Fine. Fine. Thank you, Luisa. Yeah, you're welcome, Ron. Wrap this up quickly before those two blow up. Okay, okay. As I was saying, I know there's a link I'm missing here. We need to do more research on the gay assassin nuns and see if there are any visible links or imagery they use that would tie this together. The problem is most of these records that do exist aren't exactly on this continent and probably secluded away in European archives. Say, Luisa, if, if that university that shall not be named is going under, would that mean all their his, historical archives would be easier to access? Ron, no! Cannon Fodder is part of the Fundamentals Network. Cannon Fodder is produced by the Fundamentals. Editing by Corey Shrek. Sound mixing by Corey Shrek. Directed by Corey Shrek. Script by Diana Ramsaran, Alejandra Meneses, Bo Costa, and Corey Shrek. Voice cast Diana Ramsaran, Alejandra Meneses, Bo Costa, and Corey Shrek. Special thanks to Thaddeus Stokloss. <laughs>